Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like someone who planted good seed in his field. While people were sleeping, an enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and then went away. When the stalks sprouted and bore grain, then weeds also appeared. The servants of the land order came and said to him, Master, didn't you plant good seed in your field? Then how is it that it has weeds? An enemy has done this, he answered. The servant said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them? But the landowner said, No, because if you gather the weeds, then you will pull up the wheat along with them. Let both grow side by side until the harvest. And at harvest time, I'll say to the harvesters, First gather the weeds and tie them together in bundles to be burned, but bring the wheat into my barn. So this past week, I started reading this book. Maybe some of you have heard it. called The Book of Joy. Anybody heard this? It's, oh, Andy's heard of it. All right, so this book is, uh, it's really great. It's, uh, I'm, I'm not finished with it, but it follows Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama, who I think I have pictures of. Uh, Desmond Tutu and Dalai Lama, they've met over the course of their lives only a handful of times, uh, but they've, they've become really good friends. And just like two spiritual giants, uh, one of Buddhism, one of the, the Catholic Church, and they have this like really lovable friendship. So what they did was they met together, and then over the course of five days, they were interviewed and filmed and asked all these questions about the meaning of life, what they've experienced over their life. And both of them, uh, they, they both come to roughly the same conclusion, that life is about joy. It's about finding happiness and experiencing uh, the joy of life together. And what's really interesting, I mean, Desmond Tutu, if you don't know anything about him, uh, I've mentioned him here a few times, uh, priest in, in South Africa during the like heated years of apartheid, someone who knew suffering really deeply, was just right in the throes of just what is really one of the worst uh, scenarios that you could imagine. Uh, the Dalai Lama, also not a stranger to suffering. I mean, someone who's been a refugee since, I think, the 60s, exiled from his own country, his own people, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of Tibetan people had to, had to flee uh, and find, you know, homes wherever they could in, in India, and most of them had settled in India as refugees. Uh, but just someone who's experienced tremendous suffering. And both of them, throughout all of this, find a, a deep-seated joy in the midst of all of it. And I, it's just, if, if you have a chance, if you see it, or you, uh, you do the Amazon thing, uh, I, would, I would highly recommend reading it. And uh, this quote that I read from, from the book really reminded me of something that we'll get into with the parable today. And this is from the Dalai Lama. He says, we are fragile creatures, and it is from this weakness, not despite it, that we discover the possibility of true joy. So the last couple of weeks we've been doing parables. Um, we're going to do a parable again uh, next week. And I like to think of parables as kind of, uh, as opposed to like in our culture, like we're all about speed reading and getting through as much information as possible. Uh, parables are something that you hopefully sit with a little bit. I kind of like to think of them as like a warm house that you walk into and you kind of sit down, maybe grab a cup of coffee or a hot chocolate and sit down by the fireplace and really kind of like soak in your time with a parable. So um, if you have your bulletins, uh, maybe take that home with you and just kind of like read over this parable 
through the week because it's something that um, can have you know multiple layers and, and multiple meanings. Um, and this morning we'll talk about something, an idea that I, I want to offer uh, for us this morning. Um, parables. Jesus talks in parables all the time, right? He talks in parables in Matthew all the time, and they're used to communicate and hint and lead us towards uh, the kingdom of God, as, as the Gospels often call it, which is just, like I said last week, uh, a, a word for God's reality, God's ideal, uh, what God's world really looks like at a, at a deep level. Uh, you know, in other words, like how, do, how do we characterize uh, God's way of creation, God's movement of God's spirit, in the lives of people. These parables of Jesus, uh, you know, we can learn and understand, and they're a way for us to learn something about uh, God and for ha- to have God's personality kind of washed, washed over us. Uh, what you'll notice is a common theme in parables uh, this month is the vulnerability aspect, right? Last week we talked about seed thrown on different types of soil, and we have another agricultural parable this week about a seed planted in a field. There's vulnerability to God's kingdom. Uh, We often sing songs about how mighty God is and how great God is, uh, but what Jesus kind of always comes back to is the smallness of the kingdom of God. God is uh, vulnerable like a seed, and that's the life that we take part in. Um, Seeds seeds stir underneath the ground uh, when conditions are right. They grow into their full potential, giving life. I think it's interesting, uh, more so this week than maybe last week, this parable deals with the reality of evil and the reality of, of suffering. Um, it's a topic that I, I found myself getting asked more and more as I like, officially became pastor. I feel like uh, now when people hear that I'm a pastor, they always ask me, like, why do bad things happen? Or uh, why am I judged by God? God is judging me. Or... Or I think God should judge someone else, right? Like we, we kind of cast on uh, our, you know, ills and say, well, God should judge this person for whatever it is that they do. And I'm like, oh, okay, uh, thanks. I know I'm pastor. But um, so it's something I've really noticed over the last year. Um, just even like strangers uh, will come up and ask me these sorts of things. Or like, why isn't God judging this person? And I think this parable uh, is a really interesting story in that realm of, of judgment. It would be considered by uh, people as a, as a judgment parable, right? We draw these kind of distinctions and lines between wheat and weeds, good and bad. What are we to do with this world that seems to have both wheat and weeds growing together? Um, so it acknowledges the reality of the world that we live in, right? We all can acknowledge that there are uh, things that don't go right in, in the world today. And what I think is interesting about this, if you look in verse 27 or 26 um, or 25, one of these verses, <laughs> uh, while people were sleeping, an enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and went away. Right? We can acknowledge even that th- the fact that there are people in our world today that are uh, planting weeds. Right? They're, they are using uh, uh, malintent to, uh, to plant and sow something that is going to be the detriment of people. Right? They're doing uh, very specific acts to stymie the progress of the kingdom of God, of God's reality, God's dream, God's vision for love and equality for all people. Um, right? This doesn't happen in our world today. Right? 
Um, right. There you go. You're, now, you're, now you're being very agricultural. I, I like that. Actually, I was reading, uh, so I uh, recently subscribed to Wired Magazine, speaking of Monsanto. And what's very strange, like Wired Magazine is supposed to be this, uh, it's supposed to offer articles in technology and sort of human progress by means of technology. But like every other ad in uh, a Wired Magazine is like for Monsanto or the tobacco industry. It's very strange to see this a magazine that kind of uh, is supposed to be, uh, you know, kind of the epitome of human progress. They have all of these really terrible, the oil industry has like three ads in a wired mag. It's very strange. Anyways, thanks for bringing that up. All right, I digress. Um, <laughs> so <coughs> the servants in this parable do, I think, often what people do when they come up to me and they're like, you know, this person needs to be judged or I think God is judging me. Uh, the servants... They go to the master and they say, look at this, someone has planted weeds, like we need to, to get these weeds out of here, right? It's a, it's a natural inclination, I think, for us to go and say, look, they're doing something really terrible and like, God needs to do something about it or I need to do something about it, I need to pull up these weeds immediately. Uh, and the master does something in the parable that's really strange here. He says, leave it. Now, I am no farmer, but... What I have read is that this would be agriculturally foolish to just let the weeds in the wheat grow together. And a lot of scholars will actually say that the, uh, I forget, it's like a darlin or dar the type of weed that is growing next to the wheat is almost like unrecognizable as far as like the difference between the weed and the wheat. Um, and so to let these grow up together, like no actual farmer or master of servants would give that advice. So then we have to say, okay, well, yeah, like parables are, are used to explain something theological, right? They're not for agricultural advice. Uh, and that's what we find here is that the, this is really bad agricultural advice, but really interesting theology. And I want to look at verse 30, and I promise it's verse 30 this time. Okay, so verse 30 says, let both grow side by side. And um, this, this word let right here is a word that's often used when Jesus speaks about forgiveness. I want to argue this morning that this parable, at the heart of it, is about forgiveness. See, what I see many commentators do with this parable in particular is they instantly put ourselves in either kind of the position of the servants who are pointing out good versus evil, or they kind of put themselves in the place of like the wheat, like we are as Christians somehow the wheat, and yeah, we sort of know what it's like to, to live in a world where there's weeds around us and blah, 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 blah. But that really always casts a dualistic framework, right? Like we are the servants that can tell good and evil, obviously, we're the good guys in this story, or we're the wheat, and there's just a bunch of like bad weeds around us. Like, I'm the good guy, and they are the bad guys. But I think that's kind of um, missing the point here. I want to argue this morning that every person here, every person on earth, is both a field of wheat and weeds. We're both. And we, we must let our own wheat and weeds grow together. We must learn to be whole. 
accepts all sides of ourselves, to forgive ourselves. This passage, I want to say, is about God's acceptance of the entire field that is us, that is the world, both weak and weed, that God really loves all of us together. Um, to, as Paul Tillich says, grace is the acceptance that we are accepted, that we might accept ourselves and accept others as both wheat and weeds. I, are, I think this is the actual love that has potential to change the world. Uh, it's also frustrating, right? I think the kingdom of God and God's love and a lot of the disciples' misunderstanding and our misunderstanding uh, is rooted in just the nature of wanting to see results. We want to see change. We want to see transformation happen in our lives, in the lives of our uh, friends and family, in our world. And yet God's kingdom is slow and vulnerable and kind of frustrating. Uh, and if we think about it, forgiveness is pretty much the same, right? It's, it doesn't really prove instant results. It's not really something that we enjoy doing, forgiving. Um, so I really love this show on HBO called The Leftovers. Has anybody seen an episode of The Leftovers? Nobody has seen an episode of The Leftovers? Oh, so good. All right, well, uh, let's watch this clip real quick from The Leftovers. Howdy. Were you gonna invite me in? What's your pickup truck doing in my driveway? I heard you were looking for it. Heard where? Around. What's your name? Were you asking me in an official capacity or as a friend? We're not friends. Then I'd rather not say. Well, I'm going to explain it to you, bro. So the, the main character, the guy that answers the door, is a guy named Kevin Darby. Kevin Darby is a, is a cop in this show, and he I'm not going to give any spoilers away, so if that's what you're looking for, you're not going to get it here. You're going to have to go. That's fine. You, 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 know, you can stream it illegally online. I won't tell. Um, but Kevin's real struggle is he has, um, what he basically does is he's a cop by day, and then he, he wakes up in the middle of the night and finds himself in places where he didn't purposefully go. So he'll be... He'll wake up in his car, and he's 10 miles away from his home at night. And he'll, he'll find himself in the woods, and he won't know how he got there. Uh, but Kevin's main struggle throughout the three seasons that are all great uh, is he really struggles with his light side, his Kevin the cop side, and this other side of Kevin that he really doesn't want to deal with, this light and dark. And so a lot of Kevin's journey is about figuring out how to forgive himself, how to be whole as a person, both light and dark, not to, not to just eliminate or to pretend like the dark, the weeds aren't there, 
because I think that's what um, we have a tendency to do is try to, to stuff down our weeds or to try to eliminate our darkness rather than accepting that we are accepted. Teresa of Avila is uh, uh, an amazing uh, uh, church mother saint. Uh, and she says this, uh, a sinner is actually a person who does not love himself or herself enough. We do not see or admire the whole self, so we try to split and try to love the good self and reject the bad self. I think that's what Kevin and Leftover says. This is the realization, this parable is the realization to accept all of ourselves as God allows us to be free. Free from self-judgment, and then also then free for the judgment that we cast upon others. It's in our vulnerability that we are able to simply live in the kingdom that is both full of wheat and weeds. Joy and suffering, like the Dalai Lama says, we are fragile creatures, and it's from this weakness that we discover the possibility of true joy. It reminds us that life is about finding and experiencing joy amongst the wheat and the weeds, particularly amongst the weeds, the weeds that we might try to eliminate. Suffering and joy altogether. So how do we experience joy during suffering? How do we experience joy when we, uh, we're in a good season of our lives, but we know that others are suffering as well? Life in the kingdom is about living life to the fullest, which I would, I would say is a life marked by this deep joy. Our capacity to be forgiven and to forgive. So can we forgive ourselves? Can we forgive our friends, our family, our neighbors, our politicians, our investment bakers, oil tycoons? And what does radical forgiveness lead to? I would say, like Jesus might say it, it might lead us into the kingdom of God. It might not feel like we're doing anything. It might not feel like progress. It might feel like we're the servants making a really foolish decision, leaving the wheat and the weeds to grow together. Maybe that's what forgiveness feels like. We don't want the weeds and the wheat to grow together. It might be impossible to separate it, but that's not our job. We are both wheat and weeds. The kingdom of God is both wheat and weeds. And God's reality, I think, for the disciples and for us often seems foolish. I would say to, to those people that ask me, like, is God judging me or does God judge my friends? I would say that uh, God doesn't judge. It is only experience, God only loves us through radical forgiveness and acceptance. That's all God offers. He forgives and forgives and forgives so much that the wheat and weeds grow together. God does not judge in the way we think of judging. It only comes in the form of radical forgiveness. The work of Christ is one of reconciliation, and reconciliation can only occur through the movement of God's love in and through our lives, through people's lives. It is the slow act of love and forgiveness. I think this is why Jesus doesn't uh, describe the kingdom of God as a grand gesture or a country or a military or a parade or anything really flashy. It's a small seed, subtle, vulnerable, difficult, like forgiveness. So may we see ourselves as both wheat and weeds and accept ourselves as accepted. 
accepted and loved by God so that we may see the world as both wheat and weeds and everything in between. And in the midst of all this, experience deep joy in the vulnerable, meaningful life that is the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Vulnerable God, we thank you that you love us as vulnerable fields of wheat and weeds. May your radical forgiveness and love wash over us so much so that we can accept that we are accepted not as just the light side of us or we may understand as the good side but that you love all of us every single bit wheat and weeds and we thank you and pray that this radical forgiveness and love so transforms our life that we respond in the world and with the same forgiveness and the same love. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, in the midst of joy, sadness, that we would simply forgive and love and know that even if we can't see the change and transformation, your kingdom works in such a way that you're moving us somewhere towards greater love and wholeness individually and universally. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can stand to your feet. <clears throat> We're going to sing one more song. center of it all at the center of it all at the center of it all 